Welcome back to Women Blazers, the podcast that features the stories of women in the sports industry who are either breaking barriers or on a journey to blaze trails. I'm your host, Deanna Witter, and I want to thank everyone for listening in. On this episode, I'm excited to have Allison Roscoe as my featured guest. Allison is the Vice President of Corporate Partnerships for Austin FC, one of the newest teams joining the MLS. In this episode, you'll hear how Allison has navigated up through a non-traditional path and has had to face unscripted experiences that not only challenged her, but motivated her growth in the industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those individuals, like, I never waste yep. any of my time throughout my day. I always I always have to fill up. My husband's like, can you just stop? I'm like, I, I know, I just can't. He's like, you know, we have this time now. And I was like, oh, I'm going to launch this podcast. You're just you're just. But you know idiot. what? If you didn't do it, what would you be doing, right? You're just going to be sitting there. Exactly. So, Allison, you went to Eastern Michigan University, which is in my home state, um, the the Mitten, um, and you went to school for public relations. And then you decided upon graduation, you were going to go and obtain your master's in sports management. When and where did you discover um, that sports was going to be your career path? Yeah, so I think, uh, one, never did I see myself uh, going to school in Michigan, but uh, I was <laughs> recruited to play soccer. Um, and I... I knew I wanted to be in some type of city, right? So I didn't know much about Detroit, but I just knew it had more opportunity than, than say, going to maybe Miami of Ohio, um, which is in Oxford. Um, again, mm-hmm. I had gone to high school in Cincinnati. So I was happy to go a little far away from home and get to Michigan. And then uh, when I landed on my degree with public relations, I was going to go work at a PR firm in New York. I was moving back east. My mom was from the city. I had always kind of want to get out of the Midwest and go back. And so that was what I wanted to do. Um, and it wasn't until I landed a internship actually with the Detroit Pistons when I was at Eastern, um, when I was a junior. So I was driving from Ypsilanti, you know, this drive to the, to the palace. (laughs) So, yep. So 60 miles. And this was at the time of unpaid internships. Um, and it was full time in the summer. It was when the Detroit shock, the WNBA team were still there. And Mm -hmm. my internship was with the, um, his title was vice president of strategic public public relations. So he wasn't specifically for the Pistons or for the shock. He was kind of for the palace and it was when the palace was in the heyday. And so he mm-hmm. focused on those feel good stories, right? The millionth fan and getting media to come out, not just about the sports. And so it was a really interesting spin on public relations. And it gave me a really good insight into, um, you know, when you say you work in sports, there's so many different facets of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I just, you know, I, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the the energy and listen, I played sports my whole life and I was playing in college. And so it kind of started leading me into this direction of, you know, maybe sports is the route I want to go versus an agency. Yeah. And when did you determine like obtaining your master's was, was the right move? Yeah. So again, you know, they say, you know, um, everything happens for a reason. So I had a career ending inner and injury my junior year. Um, and so I had to have surgery and my senior year, I medically released. And so I kind of became a, a student assistant coach my senior year, which sort of then turned into this, um, grad assistant position. So I was offered the ability to be a grad assistant for two years and obtain my master's. And at Eastern Michigan, it's a teaching school. A lot of my friends were teachers and they were going to stay a fifth year. I didn't want to be done yet. And I said, Hey, I can get this paid for. And I started having more direction as to what I wanted to do. And so knowing that I was going to kind of, you know, 
really understand this path in sports, I figured let's, let's take this master's opportunity on. And I talked to a bunch of people, um, Dave Weemy, who was, um, my boss for that internship at the palace, one of my mentors, he said, listen, you know, you have your whole life to work. Um, it's not always you get these opportunities to get your master's and not only that, but have it paid for and still be part of the soccer program that you love. And so that gave me um, kind of that push to, to go ahead and stay and, and stay in school. What was that then after, after you graduated from school, you know, what was that breaking moment for you? Yeah. So um, I was all about the internships. I was all about getting as much experience um, as I could. And so my first year of my master's, the NCAA Final Four was in Detroit and it was being played at Ford Field. So I kind of raised my hand and I went down for the weekend and I worked in the Fan Fest at Kobo, which is now TCF, but um, Kobo. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I loved it. I worked five days and long hours and I got to know some of the NCAA staff. So the next year, so my second year of my master's, I'm getting ready to graduate. And the final four is in Indianapolis, which isn't far. And so I reached out and I went down and I worked again. And at that point, they'd given me kind of like a little bit of an elevated position, even though I was still an intern. And I managed the area that this sports agency had built. And so it turned out this little small agency, which is Martin Sports Entertainment, was from Michigan. And so Mm -hmm. they saw kind of what I was doing and they were kind of elevating their business and they offered me a position right then. So I kind of fell into it, if you will. I mean, I always tell people the more internships you do, the more, you know, contacts you make and you never know what can happen. So that was my big break. I had kind of put myself in the right position um, at the right time. And so from there, they had won all the NCAA championship business. And so they were going to all these markets and building these fan fests in the environments and they needed someone to kind of client manage. So make sure that NCAA was happy, make sure that the games were working properly and everyone was having fun. So here I am fresh out of my masters um, in my mid twenties and traveling all around the country and being part of these like wonderful, amazing um, sports experiences. Wow. What was your, like for you, like what was your key takeaways like from that experience that helped you like grow and develop um, from there. Um, I loved the logistics and I loved the relationships, right? Like we're in this world and in sponsorship, I always tell people, right, we're in relationship selling. And so I'm having to, you know, manage the relationship of the guy driving the truck who is making sure he's there on time. I'm having to manage the relationships of the workers, the part-time staff that we have helping us. And then I'm managing the relationships for the NCAA, who essentially is our client. And so it wasn't only the NCAA, we built Chicago Blackhawks, uh, the NHL team's fan fest in the summer. We did the New York Yankees, we did Cincinnati Red Fest. So my main role was that relationship with the actual team. So the team would hire us, come in, we would build these fan fests, and then, you know, we owned all the equipment, so we'd tear it all down and we would leave. And so it was understanding and making sure um, what they had. And so I saw this whole other world of sports, right? I was kind of that agency, but I kind of called myself a sports roadie. And so I mm-hmm. was re- like really able to see um, different teams within the team, right? So I was dealing with the ticket sales group and I was dealing with the sponsorship group and I was dealing with the operations group. And so it really gave me this unique uh, perspective on team life. And, you know, a yeah. team position. And so um, those relationships and, you know, as much as you're, you're they say you're not selling, you're selling. Um, that was a big piece of, of the job. And I had obviously, you know, kind of written off the whole PR route. I think I knew I wanted to be more 
um, hands-on. I was going through your profile because, you know, I, I didn't know this, yeah. but you had started your own company. Is that I right? Did. Mere Athletic Advertising. So tell me <laughs> more about that venture. And it sounds like based on the time frame, like you were just out of college yeah. when you really launched this company. I did. So this was, um, this was an interesting, and again, one of those unbelievable kind of right time moments. So in Michigan, um, there's all these indoor facilities. So indoor soccer facilities mm-hmm. and um, my assistant coach at Eastern Michigan at the time, his father owned a couple of them and there was a need. And what that need was, was a different revenue stream. So there were all of these eyeballs coming into these indoor facilities and businesses weren't capitalizing on that. And so, and the indoor facilities weren't capitalizing on these businesses that should spend some money and advertise. And so what we created was this little advertising company that we would go to these local businesses that were around the indoor facility and offer them different assets, whether it was a sign, whether it was, you know, being able to email the database, whether it was being, having them on site, we would offer these packages and we would sell sponsorship on behalf of the indoor facility. And so it evolved into then um, managing uh, soccer tournaments and different business lines for these soccer clubs in the community as well. And so it gave me this connection to soccer, even though I wasn't a coach, I didn't want to be a coach. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really playing, <laughs> you know, um, but it still gave me this connection while I was still doing my full-time job and, you know, kind of traveling all around, I was able to balance and I had like, you know, a little sales team of, you know, these young kids that were kind of going and selling on my behalf, but um, it, it's lasted a long time and it, we just dissolved it not too long ago, but um, it was a fun kind of, it really gave me a taste of selling. I mean, I didn't have the ticket sales background that a lot of people do in sports, right? Like I didn't go that path. Mm-hmm. And so from a sales perspective, it gave me that experience to have to cold call and have to walk in and have those conversations about sales um, in a really unique kind of opportunity. And you developed in addition to that, I mean, you developed this like kind of young, entrepreneur kind of mindset um, that it's really hard to um, train on and you can't get in any other experience, but to do what you did and kind of go out on this, on this venture on your own. Um, Well, congratulations on the success. It clearly paid off. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely scary and it was unique, but um, we had great support and, you know, it was fun. And again, I, I worked in this kind of really crazy job where I was on the road and on the road. And then when I wasn't, I had free time. And so it gave me this ability to, um, you know, really kind of find myself right in your mid twenties, like, you know, who knows what you want to do, right. Even, you know, sometimes at 30, I question what I wanted to do. And so I was able <laughs> to really test my skill set and all these different facets of what I was doing in life. And, you know, I think it's really helped me and molded me as to where I am now. And while still owning that company and running that company, um, you, you eventually left Martin sports mm-hmm. and you took a move and, and joined the Pistons. What inspired that move to join? I the Pistons? did. I did. So, um, I kind of mentioned it, right. There was a lot of travel. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was, I was getting to a point where I wanted to be just in one place. Um, I didn't mind the hours, but it was kind of sleeping in your own bed. Uh, and then yeah. there wasn't a lot of growth for me. So, um, it, like I said, it was a really small boutique company. It was kind of me. And then there was other people and then it was the owner. So from like a elevation standpoint, I had just kind of hit my, hit my limit. And so the Pistons had recently been, um, purchased by Tom Gores and, and Platinum. And so they were reshaping that front office. And so there was an opportunity that came open the corporate partnership team. I happened to have a mutual friend who, put my resume on Andy Lockney's desk, who was the corporate partnership um, VP at the time. And 
they were building Mm -hmm. this activation team and they had just lost a bunch of people who they had hired from the agency world who didn't want to do the hours. We all know working in sports, it's not a nine to five job. Um, and they couldn't find good activation people, um, to, to work all the games and to be there and committed. And I came in in my interview and said, I'll work as many hours as you want. I just don't want to, I just don't want (laughs) to travel. And I actually got called the next day. And so, yeah, it was, you know, it was my first dip back into the team world, but really I had, I had been there before, right. It was kind of full circle. I was coming back to the place that, you know, I had started and never did I think that I would stay in Michigan that long. So that was kind of a whole kind of funny thing in itself. Right. Like you, you ended up staying in Michigan where you, you ultimately had exactly. no plans, I had no plans <laughs> on staying. Right. But you know, and you know this, when you start going to school and college, I mean, all your contacts become in one place and I had looked in other places, right. but um, again, it's just, you know, that, that right place, right time. And um, the opportunity was super exciting for me. And again, it was, it was to be part of a, a professional NBA team. Like, why not? How would you describe the experience of transitioning to the team side of the business after you had been working with them more from a vendor? Perspective? Yeah, it was, it was different, right? You have, um, there was a lot more, uh, eyeballs, right? There was a lot more, uh, processes in place and structure, right? I hadn't been working in an office. I wasn't using, um, outlook calendar, like, right. Like for me, you know, and again, like I, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you know, you know, all this stuff from college experience and stuff, but my, my kind of first couple years in, from that small agency was very different than kind of going into this corporate world. And so I think that was the bigger shock to me than actually working for a team. I think, um, you know, I liked the structure of games. I also love the fact that the palace and what PSNE had to offer was the the concerts. So it was a really different balance right. for me. And it kind of gave me, you know, not only are you selling and you're activating and managing what's on the court, but you had this whole other entertainment facet that was so new to me that I thought was really interesting and challenge. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a change and a shock and having to go to an office and, and do all the things. But um, it was new to a lot of people as well. They were having, you know, they were bringing in new staff all the time and they were all transitioning as well. So it was a good time to kind of be the new person in the office because so was everybody else. And then from there, you, you took a move to the Columbus Crew in 2017. Mm-hmm. What motivated that move um, after Yeah, after that so, long? I mean, listen, I loved everything about the Pistons. But again, you get to a point where, you know, you can go in and you can ask for, for the change and the raises and, and they treated me great. And I was elevated and it was a wonderful experience, but I was kind of to that point where um, I didn't know if I was going to get that next elevation. And if I did, I didn't know if it was going to be mm-hmm. the right move. And so um, Andy Lochnane, who was and is a mentor of mine, um, had left the Pistons and became the president of the Columbus crew. And so we had always stayed in, in talk and I was, always keeping an eye on major league soccer. So knowing one, I played the sport. I love it. I, you know, it's it's an emerging league, but two, just understanding what opportunities there were. And so, you know, he and I had talked about different positions, but they were never the right position. And then, um, in 2017, he had reached out and, um, I had said, you know, I'm actually ready to to talk because I knew I kind of was hitting my limit and hitting my wall. Um, and so, yeah, position of vice president core partnerships came open. And for me, that was something that was both sales and activation. And it was, it was a good career move and timing for me because I wanted both, right. I didn't want to just keep doing the one side. And so, um, Uh and then, you know, and we know in this industry to, to know the person you're working for ahead of getting in there is always a a win. Um, and so it was, a it was the right time and, and good move. And they had just signed their New Jersey partner accurate at the time. And so, um, it was really good timing on their end as well to, to go in. 
And so I took the move. But the elevated role yep. a little bit. I mean, as you mentioned, you were overseeing mm-hmm. partnership marketing um, in the, you know, at the, yep. uh, for the Pistons and you wanted to oversee mm-hmm. it all. And now this position as the VP of corporate partnerships, now you're taking on the sales yep. position um, and overseeing all of, all of the sales um, piece of the business um, in addition to the marketing piece. You know, what did you do or, you know, what, mm-hmm. looking back, what, like, what do you think you did to prepare yourself? Yeah. For so role? I think, um, I was at the Pistons at a time where um, there was a lot of transition between people leaving and coming and just, you know, with a new owner, there's uncertainty. And so there's a lot of different parts of my job that as much as it was partnership marketing and it was activation, there was a lot of sales components to it. And so I had handled a lot of renewals and really started understanding upselling and selling. And so when the opportunity for me wasn't necessarily there at the Pistons from a sales perspective, and this job was, that's what excited me. So I feel like I learned so much about that, that sponsorship sale, probably the last two years. And I really honed in on it because I knew if I was going to advance and if I wanted to become head of a department, I needed both that sales and service side. And so, you know, that's something that I really tried to, to, you know, identify that skill set of mine and, and make sure that I really understood it because that's a, a big piece, right? And it's that relationship sale. And it's not a transactional sale. And so, and I didn't have, you mm-hmm. know, sales training and I didn't go through that process. So making sure I understood that and then knowing, you know, I was coming into a, a team that really needed help on that new business side. And so, you know, understanding, okay, well, how am I going to speak to my sellers? And cause again, it's, you know, you're managing a different team and a different skill set. And so um, I really tried to prepare myself as I pre- got into that role. But then I think a lot of what I was doing in that last year, the Pistons was really helping me prepare for that elevated role. You know, did you face any challenges moving away from Michigan <laughs> after all that time being in yeah. Michigan and then transitioning from MBA to MLS? You know what, I will, you, I will say, I didn't again? even realize this at the time, but I had a really good, and we talk about women in blazers and what you're doing and just the network. I had a yeah. really good women group and and good network in Detroit. So, you know, you forget that Detroit has the four teams and Fox sports. And so, and there were a lot of women leaders and executives at all the different teams and we had become all really close. And so that was a really tough thing for me to leave that kind of group and, and support kind of in person all the time to move to Columbus. I don't think so much the move was Mm -hmm. hard. Um, I had moved a lot, so that was easy, but, you know, leaving what you know and the comfort and, and the people, into a completely new market, to a completely new league, and to be honest, into a market that was struggling and that was tough. And so it was going to be a challenge. And so, you know, it's scary, but, you know, I think if you don't push yourself and you don't step out of your comfort zone, you're never going to really, you know, identify what your true abilities are. And so it was something that I had to do knowing that it was going to be uncomfortable. And also going from a different league, you know, the NBA is the NBA, right? And it's global and it's got these big star powers and all this money. And you go to the MLS, that's only 25 years old and it's new and it's, um, you know, kind of this emerging Mm -hmm. league. And so budgets are different and processes are different. And Major League Soccer is a single entity ownership, which you know, right? So leaving something that's very on its own in a silo and going to a league that there's a lot more hands. It just that whole learning process was very, very interesting. And so to do that, not only have to understand it, but then to switch into this new elevated role, it was, it was a big challenge, but it was, um, I was excited and I kind of took it with open arms. What did you learn about, um, yourself as a leader through that process? Um, to, you know, to listen, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, 
you know, new bosses or leaders come in and, and they don't listen and they come in and they try to change things right away. And that was something a couple of my mentors had said to me, like, don't come in and, and completely shake everything up, observe, um, you know, really try to understand maybe where you can come in and make change versus you know, just coming in and making change, you know, asking questions and, and setting time. And so, you know, I was very comfortable in my role in Detroit and I knew my team and I knew my people and I had kind of molded them and built them. And so when you come into a completely new team who, you know, they just saw some of their leadership shift to make room for me. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got to balance those relationships and, you know, you just have to come in. And so it really pushed me to grow. And then here I am as a woman. So, you know, now I have, you know, mm-hmm. guys underneath me who are sellers and making sure that, you know, I can justify and I can show them my skill and that I know what I'm doing. Um, so it, it made me, you know, really have to step up my game from a sales manager perspective. Um, and then, you know, kind of show that separation. I think it was, you know, Jamie was saying on your last podcast, right? Like when she came in and she was kind of the same age as her team, right? Like, how do you make sure you aren't their best friend out at the bar late night, but yet you're, you know, (laughs) making sure that they're, you know, respecting you and doing what you ask of you during the day. And so there's that balance when you're in the office and especially, in our world and sports, we're in the office so much with these people, we become friends with them, but it's making sure you set yourself Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're leading by example and, you know, you're doing all the right things and you're showing them because I feel that's the, the best way to be a leader is just lead by example, just do the things. And then people will see what you're doing and you're putting your money where your mouth is. With leadership (laughs) always comes learning. You know, is there something that you're still working on personally or professionally um, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I'm always pushing myself. I'm always, um, you know, trying to, to be better and, and be a better leader and a, and a better manager. Um, I think especially now more than ever, um, given our state, um, you know, how do you effectively, mm-hmm. you know, lead and manage while you're on a zoom call, um, versus seeing someone in person. Um, so right, like navigating through that, but, um, I think it's just, you know, there's so many resources now, probably more than we had even five years ago of just developing yourself as a person leader. So always trying to read, always trying to listen to podcasts and always trying to uh, make sure, you know, you stay in touch and, you know, learn best practices from others because, you know, the you learn from watching, you know, what others are doing. So um, there's not one thing, but it's just always trying to develop myself and, and grow. Now you, you're in, you're in Texas <laughs> yeah, with yeah. me. <laughs> it's been a quick, it's been a quick, <laughs> we both landed from Michigan. We went from yeah. Michigan to Texas. Um, oh, weather's much better. So much here, better. I, I will tell you watching some of the snow uh, happening in, in April in Michigan makes me very happy to be down here. <laughs> yes. I, I feel so bad for my family and my friends up there, but the, it is so it nice is. to be down here at this time of the year. So, um, but now you're in Austin and you made this shift from Columbus to Austin, um, uh, where you now hold the VP of corporate partnerships position for the, um, the new, and one of the newest teams joining the MLS, um, Austin FC. Um, can you share a little bit more about, or just share about that, that experience of moving and making that shift? I know the Columbus crew, um, moved their team to Austin and now Columbus crew has been reinstated, um, in Columbus. And so if you can just share a little bit about that experience, I can imagine it's so unique, um, to, um, the sports world and, you know, what has been the most memorable experience yeah, during so that transition? It's, you know, I don't recommend, and I don't wish this on anybody <laughs> in the experience I went through. So I was in this really unique position. So I had, um, I was part of an organization in Detroit where we had just announced to people that we were moving downtown to play at little Caesar arena. So I had spent the last six months of that right. job 
managing partners and relationships and all that. So then I leave and then I come to Columbus and I, I have no idea what's going to happen. And, and five months later, we make this announcement that we're exploring Austin. And so now here I am, I find myself in a, almost a similar situation where I'm having to manage partners and relationships in a very short time, right? I had only been there for five months and didn't really know. And then we're playing a season. And so it was, um, yeah. it, it was something that I would, I, there was no preparation for, you know, you, all you can do is, is follow leadership and, and trust the process. And, um, you know, my, my gut and probably my allegiance was with, you know, Anthony Precord, our owner, and obviously Andy Locking, the president, and that's why I came down. So I had a feeling I was always going to come to mm-hmm. Austin and, and hopefully be part of that. And I didn't know, um, which way that would mm-hmm. shape out, but, um, you know, we made it, um, you know, we had to balance relationships in Columbus and we, I had made great relationships very quickly. And so you had to be very sensitive to that. And then obviously we had to prepare for Austin. There was a moment where we possibly were, um, moving the team and we were going to have to play in Austin in 2019. And so I think the best scenario happened where, you know, soccer stayed in Columbus and which is great. And then I was able to come down here in Austin and be part of this new expansion team in a market that doesn't have a professional sports team doesn't have, um, you know, something for all of these transient people who are moving here, something to really hold on to. So to not only be part of a new team and a new franchise, to be part of kind of the first and be part of a new stadium, all with the runway to do it correctly and not have games was was a once in a lifetime opportunity. It was a no brainer. I had both hands up all the whole way um, because we don't get these these moments in in our careers. often and especially you don't get kind of all of them right the trifecta of of all of this so um it was very exciting i'm very grateful for the opportunity and you know you look back and you know everyone always kind of laughs well did you know this was happening when you went to columbus like no i had no idea (laughs) you know i had no idea this was happening um but all of the the trials and tribulations and everything we went through in columbus you know got me and just became, I just became a better leader and a, a, a better, um, steward of my, you know, career to, to get here. Um, and so it's, it's definitely been an interesting couple of years. I mean, if you look back, like to the fact that it was only, you know, 2018 of all this happening. Um, right. And then the other nice thing about very recent, very recent, <laughs> very, yeah, recent, so very yeah. recent. And yeah. then the other nice thing, um, unfortunate part is that we were able to take a few people. Um, so I was able to start with, um, a team, a very small team, but people that I knew and trusted. Um, and so, you know, when you have that in a, a new setting and you're trying to make, you know, your mark and trying to do it right and start building it to have people around you that you know and you trust in the industry is is always very helpful. As you mentioned, um, you know, now that the team is down in Austin, you've actually been provided with this mm-hmm. kind of runway to launch successfully um, over the last, what, two, it'd be two years because your inaugural season Correct. will kick off in 2021. Um, you know, how, what is it like working, um, you know, on a product that the team isn't even playing yet and maybe like the players and things like that haven't even been established. You're selling a team (laughs) that has a great logo and, you know, a brand, a brand that's developing. What is that like from Um, an experiential perspective? You know, you're selling a lot of hope. You're selling a lot of, um, excitement, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate where we're in a market that it's, it's thriving for it and it, they want it. And, Um, you know, I think that we have, we're giving, you know, a lot of people something to look forward to, um, in 21, but you know, it's, it's a lot of education. I will tell you that that's been the, probably the biggest, um, 
thing for me that I've uncovered as, you know, you talk to different businesses and brands and people, you know, they don't really understand Major League Soccer or they don't understand professional sports. I mean, they mm-hmm. get it from a fan perspective. From the business side, though, it's very different. Sure. Um, you know, we live in a very um, college town, if you will. And I think a lot of businesses are used to that part of it. And so having to, you know, really explain um, the professional sports landscape is is new, right? That's just something that we don't always have to do. So that's been right. kind of an interesting uh, discovery. But it's, you know, I will tell you kind of the aha moment was when we were all down here and it was a small group of people and we launched our deposits and we uh, crushed <laughs> records with our deposits and we all... Yeah, your, your yeah, deposit campaign was crazy. And, you know, you think of everything we had been through and, and everything, you know, and even I professionally had been through and personally had been through even from, you know, the move from Detroit to Columbus to down here. And it's you look around and you say, this is why we do this. This is why we, you know, do the jobs that we do. Mm-hmm. And we're part of it because of these moments and the excitement. And you, you know, we get into this industry to make you know, to make memories, right? We have this access that people just want. And to be able to make someone's mm-hmm. lasting memory that they're going to then pass down is is very cool and special and unique. And so to be able to be part of this from the ground up, and to your point, take this cool logo and be able to kind of splash around. But by the way, we're still <laughs> figuring out our brand, right? We're, we as a company are still having to identify our marketing plan. And, you know, we're a startup. And we're, um, still kind of going through, you know, what all of that looks like, but it helps when you're, you're able to really build excitement in a city. There's not a lot of women who, who take this path. I think there's mm-hmm. a sense of like, I don't want to sell um, because they don't feel connected to it. You know? Um, so if you're sitting down talking to another woman who's contemplating her path of like getting into sports, what would you say to her mm-hmm. um, or, or him, you know, as they're considering their, they're kind of like, well, I think it's, I think it's twofold kind do. of your question. I think the first part of it is if I'm talking to someone who's getting into yeah. sports, I think it's a reminder that there's so many different parts of sports, right? When you say that it's such a broad stroke mm-hmm. and it's, you know, if you're willing to work hard and to not get paid a lot of money up front, uh, you know, like, and go through those motions and ticket sales and, and do the grind, yeah. the fulfillment you feel after and the access that you have um, is what everyone wants, right? Like you always have the cool job at the the family barbecue, right? You always have the job that everyone wants to hear about <laughs> work in sports. And so I think that if you have a true passion and I think it's passion versus fan, right? I, you could be a really big fan and, and maybe not be mm-hmm. the best employee at a sports team. I think it's the passion um, that comes with that. And then I think if I'm talking to a woman specific who maybe is looking in corporate partnerships or sales, it, it's not always selling, right? Like we're, we're building relationships and it's this process of really understanding what that person wants and being able to create something completely custom and this memory that they're buying off of, right? They're buying off the experience. I mean, yeah, it comes with a ticket or it comes with something else, but we want them to come and not know the score of the game. We want them to leave and say, I had the best experience. Right. And, and so being able to, to really mm-hmm. articulate that is, is something that I just think is, is very special. And, you know, I always have women that talk to me about, you know, our roles, right. And sponsorship and how do we get where we are and me, even me to you, like, how did you get where you are? You know, you're a mom and you're crushing it and you're doing all these things, but you know, it's, (laughs) it's understanding, you know, that whole process and it's starting from ticket sales and going all the way up or it's me, it's starting with cold calling, but it's feeling comfortable in your own skin and being able to sit at a table and articulate what you're essentially selling, but it's just understanding what that person wants. And it's making sure you hit all those buckets. Mm -hmm. And again, 
you, you have a really cool, unique, sexy product that these businesses want to be a part of. And, and how do you articulate that? What advice would you have for women who, who consistently feel like when they walk in the room, they just cannot overcome the concept of feeling like, gosh, I'm the only one here. Yeah. So um, and that um, sense of loneliness, I totally let's understand say. that. And I think I'll just kind of overarching say, right? Like you do belong there, right? And that's kind of just a broad statement to everybody. Um, you're in your position for a reason and you do belong in that room. And I've had right. to remind myself a couple times, like, you know, should I be in this meeting? Yes, you should be in the meeting. Someone invited you to be there. And I think um, it's just finding your voice in a tactful way. And I think, you know, once you maybe have that one comment or that one thing where you can insert yourself and just kind of maybe give the perspective and then that's it. And then maybe the next meeting, you say two different perspectives. And I think as you slowly start really learning your voice and understanding and gaining the respect of your peers, you will become more confident in that room. I mean, listen, like I, you know, I sit in meetings and I look around and I'm the only female. And there's times that I have my head down or I'm taking notes. And then I have to remind myself, like, I have an opinion. I have a thought. There's a reason I'm at this table and I need to make myself be heard. And it just gives me that little boost of confidence that, you know, everyone heard me and I'm maybe not, you know, solving world issues, but I'm making that little statement to at least make sure everyone knows that I'm in that room. So what's important to you outside of work and how do you make time to focus on other things in your life outside of work stuff? Yeah. So I think in sports, it's super important to have, you know, what you know, you can try to create as a work-life balance um, as much as you can in our industry that doesn't really exist. But traveling, um, you know, <laughs> moving down here to Austin, I think, you know, my husband and I have found um, traveling is kind of our escape, whether it's small trips or whether it's bigger trips, we do try to take advantage um, of that time that we have. Um, so, you know, just trying to get away a little bit as much as you can disconnect, but you never really disconnect uh, in our world. If you don't yes. mind me asking, where'd you meet Yeah, your so my husband, um, Philip, he was a uh, professional baseball player uh, in Canada. And so I was actually doing work for the team. And so we had met. Um, and then it just so happened he was from the Detroit area. Um, and so I then got the job with the Pistons. And so we were living in Michigan um and you know kind of it all went from there so he's been super supportive and he's obviously traveled for my job um and has you know kind of figured out his his career path as we've had to adapt and change cities a couple times so um it's super important to have someone that you know supports what you're doing and fortunately he, he's been able to adapt in each new city um and it's just been it's been great so i'm, I'm very lucky and you know having that partner that you know allows me to kind of pick up and, and move when it's needed yeah, no, that's extremely yeah. important. You know, I, it's, it's funny. I mean, every, most of the conversations, I wouldn't say most, but some of the conversations I have with women about growing, you know, that's probably one of a, a major mm -hmm. factor that comes into growth opportunities is that they fell kind of grounded or held back um, because of what their spouse's profession and goals are as well. And it's so important that you align and share in the very beginning it is. Um, and able to support each other. It is. And that was something, you know, up front, you know, while we were dating, we really talked through. And so, um, you know, he had played baseball and, and had kind of had this, you know, crazy life on in the minor league system. And so he, you know, he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And so we were lucky, you know, when my career kind of took off with the Pistons and then all these opportunities presented itself, it was, you know, we both knew what that next path was. And, and so he's, you know, been in the background and, you know, supportive and, um, has found a career in, you know, kind of real estate that has been able to um, adapt and change into each city that we go to, which has been great. And again, I can't say it enough. I'm, I'm very fortunate and, and lucky to have that. 
because you say, you know, like women in our industry, that is sometimes, you know, you get, you know, you get promotions or all these opportunities, you know, present itself when you're open to moving. And sometimes, you know, moving is such a hard thing to do when you're leaving family and you have a family and they're grounded in kids and spouse. And so there's all these different factors. And so, um, you know, as much as I try to do it early on, you know, prior to us having kids, we don't have any kids now, you know, so it's trying to do all of that when you, you know, don't have too many factors in life and just one, you know, supportive husband um, (laughs) that we tried to jump. But you know, it is, it's something that weighs on it. And so it's interesting. Like I, I grew up in a household where, you know, my mom was the, you know, the traveling spouse, if you will, she, she adapted and changed and we moved a lot for my dad's job. And so, you know, to kind of have it reverse and be in the situation, it's, I'm, I'm very lucky. Yeah, no, definitely. I just think like just reflecting on on my situation, I haven't said this yet on the podcast, but you know, my husband and I, we met Mm -hmm. in high school. And, you know, I've been the same person I've been since I was like 12. Yeah. And so when I met him and he met me, you know, we started, you know, dating. I don't think we ever thought that we were from high school going to be married and with three mm-hmm. kids today and, and traveled, you know, where we've had to travel for, for the career and lifestyle that we wanted to lead. But, you know, I think um, it, it's interesting, like there's been times where, you know, my husband's an RN, he's a, he has a bachelor's mm-hmm. in nursing from Michigan. And so very flexible career, but that doesn't mean that it's easy for him yep. to move. And so there's been, there's been times where, you know, he's had to go kicking and screaming and there's been times he's been very supportive of it and it's never easy, but I think the conversation of what we want and staying very focused on the goals that we have together has been probably the leading force of us making the decisions we've made, you know, throughout my career path or our life that we're, that we're building together. Yeah. So it's, um, it's never easy, but my, my favorite one was, you know, he moved, I think we, he, he graduated from college and I was in Indy. So I, I went to Indiana to be with the Pacers and he was um, still graduating mm-hmm. from college. So he graduates from college and he comes down to Indy and we lived together for a year and then he proposed <laughs> he proposed in like April and so he proposes and no joke like a month later I'm now <laughs> leaving him in Indianapolis and I take a job you with got the ring and you were like all right we're engaged. good <laughs> I, yeah peace out <laughs> and I didn't even like it was so normal like I didn't even think twice about it that's like I this is what the goal was like I'm gonna keep moving I'm gonna keep growing and he'll he'll follow he'll be behind me we'll get married in Michigan um, and luckily for me, the, the, you know, the Pacers had called me back to bring me back as the director of group sales before he could ever move from Indy. We ended up buying a house in Indy and we've never been apart really since then. But, um, but it was one of those situations, like you it had is. to make a decision. I made, I made the decision. I'm so happy yep. I did because that, that was a huge move for me. That was a huge catapult that would never, I, my path would have been completely different if I didn't. And that's that the thing, right? Job. Like, can you have them in your corner and they support you? And I'm sure he was saying as much as you mm-hmm. guys were kind of laughing about it in the sense that you had just gotten engaged, like you'll feel figure it out. And, and that's the time in the life to figure yeah. it out. And, and having someone that doesn't hold you back is, I mean, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're actually thinking about it. He didn't even, he was never, he never right. told me not to go. It was never a discussion point. He was so supportive of that yep. situation. Um, so yeah, I think it was, I think it was a really good situation. So yeah, you have to have, you have to have a, have a partner and you have to be open and sharing your goals and your Correct. And listen, you uh, early on when you meet people, you don't always know what that is. And so it's trying to figure it out together, right? It's, <laughs> it's trying to understand. And so just having those open dialogue and those conversations and, and making sure that, you know, as much as you have yours, you know, they're going to have theirs. And so it's, it's a two way street, which is super <laughs> important. Yes. Give and take, give and take, give and take, right? take. In everything, in everything <laughs> we do in life and work. <laughs> is there, is there anything that you wish you knew at the beginning of your um, career that you know now? You know, it, it's funny, like 
you know, you're going to, the, the one thing, right? Like you're going to make mistakes. Like, don't worry about it. Um, you're going to find yourself in hard times and you're going to have to ask for help. And I think that, you know, all of those are just, you know, things yeah. that it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to tell yourself that you're not going to be, you know, perfect and you're not going to be the, the smartest person. But I think that if you, you know, I think if I had heard that then, um, and I'm always, I'm not always going to make everybody happy. That's probably another big one. Um, you know, you're not always, you know, not mm-hmm. everyone's going to always agree with you. And, you know, you may have to have uncomfortable conversations and, you know, you don't, you know, you can be best friends with everybody, but you're probably not going to be best friends with everybody. So I think that's like the biggest thing for me. And I always try to tell, especially right. you know, when I'm talking to like young women who are trying to get into sports and, you know, that, that balance and just, you know, reminding them that it seems like the world is ending now, but you know, you get stronger and your skin gets thicker and it gets easier. Now you've obviously, you know, as you've described it, you've had a very mm-hmm. unique career path that has <laughs> been, you know, <laughs> something's just completely, un- it's yep. just com- been completely unscripted, right? Things that you didn't know that was going to happen and you've kind of gone up and you've been able to learn and grow through each of those experiences. What have you loved most about your career path? As you look so back that's, I it? love this question. And I think it's such a it, cool question in the sense that like, right, like I love everything about it, but I mean, I think it's, you know, I love yeah. that it's not the same as the next person's. Um, I do like for me personally that mm-hmm. I have um, this experience in, you know, sports that I came in later. Like I didn't start, you know, in this, in the ticket sales route or correct in the traditional path. Traditional. Um, yeah. I do like that about mine. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of us, as we look back at our, you know, our movement from other teams, I, I think you just can't be afraid to do that. And I think I love the fact that I've moved around and I've been able to elevate myself, you know, smartly. And I think that if, you know, people aren't afraid to take that jump and, you know, again, listening to your two other podcasts and both of them, right? Like they were so uncomfortable and, Mm -hmm. you know, really pushing themselves, but they were so happy that they made that jump into that other team. It's, it's how we elevate. It's how we grow. And And that's a wrap on episode four. Thank you for listening to Women Blazers and thank you to Allison for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. If you have enjoyed the podcast, I encourage you to subscribe or favorite the podcast so you never miss a new episode. I also encourage you to follow the podcast on Instagram at Women Blazers to stay connected. Look forward to episode five dropping Monday, May 25th, featuring Sarah Daniel, the Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Carolina Hurricanes of the NHL. Until next time, have a great week.